awesome. Well, welcome to church, everybody. You may be seated if you've been standing, if you're uh, watching from your family room or some other location online. If you've been standing, you may be seated as well. And we're very glad you're here, man. I'm, I'm fired up about this weekend and everything that is going to happen during this series. Excited about it, as, as difficult a subject as it may be. And I want to take a moment and uh, just say hello to all of you who may be joining us for the first time at any of our locations. We're very glad you're here. Some of you maybe came with a little bit of, do I really want to hear about this? Do I really want to go there and talk about mental health? And, and do I want to do that at church? And, and I get all of that, so I'm very glad you're here. And I do want to look into the camera as well and just say hello to everyone who is joining us online, part of our Journey family. We're, we're glad you're along for the ride and, and grateful for what's happening in your lives and uh, through screens all over our region. And then also, I want to say a big hello to our Hokesson location. Love you so much. Would you give it up for everyone today? Newark, come on, Newark. You can do better than that. Let's give everybody some love at all of our locations. I love it. And we are in week one of this series that we're calling Mind Games. So if you are here for the first time or the first time in a while again, you, you did choose a great weekend because over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this mental health thing, and we're going to talk about the struggles that so many of us face or people we care about face and, and how we find strength for those struggles and, and how we find hope for a path forward. And I will let you know right out of the gate, I'm not here to bring easy or simplistic solutions to difficult problems. That's not the heart behind this, but I do believe there is a path forward. And it's, it's really fitting as well that during this series, we will kick off our fall semester of J-Groups because having some people around us that we can get real with about our problems and our struggles and our successes and our fears uh, is such a big part of our mental health. And my experience is you, you never realize how important those people are until you need them. And then you try to make friends with them in a hurry. Like, hey, I haven't <laughs> talked to you in six months, but really, you know what I'm talking about? So it's so much better to get ahead of that. And I want to encourage you to, to uh, make sure you sign up for a JGroup, get connected this fall. So right before we start the series, though, this is also, kind of a heavy weekend in some ways for some of us because it marks 20 years since 9-11 and the um, just tragedies that enveloped our nation that day that none of us saw coming. And because our world still feels so uncertain in so many ways, um, that, that kind of is a, a sobering reminder to us that, that life can be Uncertain. So I wanted to take a moment this weekend in all of our gatherings and just pray over our nation, pray over our world. You, you probably remember where you were when you heard about 9-11, unless you weren't born yet, which I know is some of you. Um, but it, I think it's a good weekend to just pause and go, you know, our hope and our trust must be in God. Yeah. And we need him. We, and real peace only comes from him. And uh, so I want to lead us in prayer. So just open up your heart to God with me for a moment, and, and let me lead us in prayer around that. Father, we come to you today, and God, we're thankful for your presence. We're thankful for the, the freedom we have to gather like this. We do not take that for granted. We're thankful that we can be in your presence and in the presence of your people. And God, we ask you right now for peace, real peace, not just, not just surface peace, but peace in our nation, peace around the world. And we ask you... God, that you would turn the hearts of people who are hurting toward you, and maybe even especially this weekend, people who it still brings up very difficult memories. God, we ask for your peace that passes understanding. And God, finally, we ask that you would help us, all of us who believe in you, to be a part of your peace and to bring hope to those who are hurting. We're praying for that. We're believing you for that. 
especially within our region, within what we call Journey City. God, we ask that you would be made known here and you would comfort the hurting. We ask it all in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for it. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's jump into mind games, and by jump in, I mean let's jump in. So we're going to go there week one, and, and uh, I'll lead the way. So 18 months ago, uh, our world came to a screeching halt with COVID, and you, I know, don't need reminding of that. You're probably saying, yeah, we don't need another reminder that that happened, but I think a lot of us got caught off guard with some mental health stuff uh, during the, the past year and a half, whether we were students trying to figure out how to pay attention via Zoom <laughs> or adults trying to figure out how to pay attention via Zoom. You know who you are. I've been in some meetings with you. And... Uh, Whatever the case may be, whether we were living alone and all of a sudden we, we found ourselves just totally isolated and the pressure of that, or whether we lived in a house or an apartment with other people and we found ourselves suddenly suffocated. Like, it was extremes, right? Some of us were just cut off from everyone, and some of us were like, I have looked at you 24-7 for three months, ready for a break, right? You know what I'm talking about? They're with you, so you're not raising your hand. I get it. But um, just, it was this tale of extremes. Some of us got stronger, during that season. Some of us said, man, this is, I didn't ask for it, I don't want it, but this has actually allowed me to recalibrate and rethink some of what matters to me, and we got healthier and stronger. Some of us began to struggle significantly in ways that we, that we didn't see coming, and I experienced both, and I think some of us have that story. I had some moments over the past year and a half where I thought, man, I am, I'm doing the best I've ever done. I'm, I feel good. I've got direction. I've got clarity, and then I had some other moments that I felt exactly the opposite of that. And when COVID hit, man, I, I swung into action. I'm a leader. That's what leaders do. And it's my personality. I'm type A. I'm driven. So, I mean, day one, I was like leading meetings and setting up things. I, was, I started coaching other pastors through this and just, and all of our team here. It was amazing. We just swung into action. We, we decided, man, we're not just going to lie down and wait to see what happens. We're going to serve people. And we stepped that up in our communities, serving and just doing everything we could to help people who were struggling. And in a lot of ways... I worked harder mentally the first few months of COVID last year than I ever had in my life. And I think a lot of us can relate. Just there, was, there were new pressures, and I just I was like, man, I'm going to lean into this. I'm going to make the most of this. But last May, I hit a mental wall. And because I'm stubborn, I decided that the solution was to pretend I hadn't hit a mental wall and just keep fighting through it until a few weeks later, I found myself sitting in my car uh, not far from here in a parking lot, leveled by anxiety and feeling so low, I started crying. Now, before you yank my man card, <laughs> let me give you some clarifying details. <laughs> so this is not a habit for me. I don't generally pull the car over and, and start crying. It's not something I do. It's why it caught me so off guard. And just so you know, it was a gritty cry, kind of like, it was a sort of crying where if you pulled up next to me and said, are you crying? I would say no and punch you in the face and resume crying. It was that kind of crying. So just to be clear, and now you know, week one, I am willing to own my stuff. And I hope that gives you some permission to be willing to own yours. Some of you going, I would never do that. But you got some stuff you've been doing <laughs> that you maybe don't want anybody to know about, or it's a little bit embarrassing, or it makes you wonder like, what in the world is going on in my life? And that's what happened for me in that moment. I was like, what, what is happening? Why is this happening? And the thing is, I couldn't figure out why. I tried, I was like, why, what is going on? What do I, why am I feeling this way? Why am I in this situation? 
But even though I couldn't figure out why, unlike other times in my life leading up to that, thankfully, I knew what to do next. And that's really the heart behind this series. What if we could know when we or people we care about are blindsided by mental health struggles, what if we could know what to do next? Not that we could fix it with a light switch or anything like that, but what if we knew in the midst of the struggle how to find our path forward? What if we could have the hope of knowing there is a path forward? That's what we're gonna talk about. So when we look at the story of Jesus' life in the New Testament of the Bible, We see him healing people who are sick and struggling, meeting people at the moments they're often at their weakest or most vulnerable, they're grieving, they're they're hurting, and Jesus does miracles. He heals people. If you are new to the Bible, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, show us Jesus in action and how he went about doing good and healing people could only happen by the power of God. And we see a lot of moments like This one, that as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Now, this man's physically blind, and that must have been incredibly challenging, especially in the time that he lived in. And I don't want to take away from that at any level, but physical blindness is not a bad metaphor for the mental fog that so many of us will experience at some point in our lives. So this is a physical condition and a physical situation that is the main point of what we're reading. But I think there's a picture in there of the seasons that we experience when we can't see past our current emotions or circumstances, seasons when even though everything might look okay on the outside, all we experience is this darkness mentally. We can't see our way forward. We can't see hope. We can't see a vision for the future. And so Jesus sees this man who is blind, and then rabbi, that word means teacher, his disciples asked him, why? They want to know why. Any, any parents have little kids that ask this question? Why? Why? Why is the sky blue? Why? Why? Why are we doing this? My son all the time asks, why? Why? And the disciples are in one of those, as we're about to see, immature moments. And they ask this question, why was this man born blind? And then before Jesus can answer, they're like, we're pretty sure it's one of two things. It was because of his sins, or was it because of his parents' sins? Somebody sinned. And we just know, like, the reason this person is experiencing this right now is because somebody did something wrong. Who was it, Jesus? Why is it this way? Nice, right? Instead of compassion... Instead of support, they walk by this, this person who's struggling with this very difficult situation in his life, and his disciples want to know, well, why? What, whose sins cause this? They start philosophizing about why it happened. And maybe for some of us, that's what we've felt when we've encountered religious people. You know, we, we were struggling. We, we know we've got issues in our lives, and we meet somebody who's who's religious, and they just immediately know why. Well, yeah, if, you would, if you hadn't done this, you probably wouldn't be where you are. Maybe some of us have, have just dealt with that with people who, who immediately think they know why we're going through what we're going through. Well, I do this sometimes to, to my fault. You know, somebody was, I'm really feeling this, and I'm just such a type A. I'm like, well, just, I can tell you exactly why. It's because you sleep in too late. Or it's because you really need to do this. And, and the thing is, they could be right. That's the difficult thing here. Like, they they could be right. Sometimes we are in the condition we're in because of 
something that we've allowed to continue in our lives, something we've done or something someone else has done to us that, that the effects have lingered. It could be habits that we haven't gotten a handle on or relationships that we've allowed to remain dysfunctional or mental health could be hindered by things that happened when we were kids that we couldn't control and it's still affecting our lives. So why is not a bad question? In fact, I, I was challenged by this as I was preparing for this weekend. I thought, well, why is a good question? I coach leaders all the time. You should lead with why. Don't, don't go to what right away. Lead with why. Don't just tell people what to do. Tell them why we're doing it. This is why we create this environment. This is why we insist on this value or this standard. This is why we treat people with this kind of respect. This is the why behind the what. Why is a great question. It can give us confidence and clarity when we know why we're doing what we're doing. But a why that becomes a cycle of blame that we just heap on ourselves or on other people who've hurt us in the past without a path forward just gets us stuck. And for some of us, this is where our wheels get stuck in the mud. We're spinning them because we're just like, I just got to figure out why. Why am I feeling this way? Why am I anxious? Why am I angry? Why am I depressed? Why? 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 And it's not a bad question. It's just not ultimately an empowering question. And we can get stuck there. And we might, in the process, miss the real why by a mile, which is what happens with Jesus' disciples. Jesus says it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. Bam, wrong. You think you know why, but you're, you're so off. Instead, this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Now, that's simultaneously relieving and upsetting, right? Because on one level, Jesus says, hey, there's, you're asking the wrong question. Don't hammer this guy with why. Don't, don't think that you know why he's in the condition he's in. Don't, don't, don't play God. You don't know that. And, and he shuts that down, and that's relieving. These people who are obsessed with why, Jesus is a wrong question. But on the flip side, he introduces something that we might not be comfortable with. And that is the idea that in God's plan for our lives, it's possible that what seems like the most difficult thing we are experiencing is actually the best possible setting for God to show us what he can do. That the things that we struggle with, that we don't like, that, we, that are not easy to bear could become the stage upon which God shows his great power. Jesus' disciples are stuck on why, but Jesus says, why is not what matters most. What matters most is what God can do through this. The path forward, what God is about to do, trumps the why all day long. Sociologists have picked up on something that a lot of us have been experiencing over the past year and a half. It's been a widespread thing, and they call it languishing. So one writer describes it this way, looking back, said it wasn't burnout, we still had energy. It wasn't depression, we didn't feel hopeless. We just felt somewhat joyless and aimless, kind of blind mentally, like we couldn't see. Languishing is a sense of stagnation and emptiness. It feels as if you're looking at your life through a foggy windshield. Have you felt that way at all over the past 18 months? I have. Seasons where it's just like, ah, I can't see anything past what I feel right now, what I'm struggling with right now, the phone call I just had right now, the situation I'm dealing with right now. I just can't see. But Jesus comes along in the midst of our languishing, and he asks us to consider the possibility 
of what if. What if what's happening in our life right now could set the stage for the power of God to be seen? What if God has something for us and he didn't, he's not enjoying what we're dealing with, but he knows that if we'll turn to him in the midst of it, it gives him an opportunity to do something he could not otherwise do. What if our languishing or even our anxiety or depression or addiction or unresolved issues, while not good in and of themselves, could point us toward a good God who can help us? And what if we've been stuck wondering why while God is trying to get our attention with a what that he has for us to move forward? And here's what I'm learning about my own mental health, and it's a journey for me. I'm learning that when I'm resistant, I ask why. But when I'm ready, I ask what's next. So as long as I'm in resistant mode, what does that mean? I'm resisting what I'm feeling or experiencing. I am just determined in my own strength and my own ability to get to the bottom of it. I'm going to figure out why. I'm worrying about why I'm feeling it while I'm experiencing it. Come on, have you been there? I feel down. Okay, well, why do I feel down? Well, it must be because I'm a bad person. Well, now I feel guilty for being a bad person. Well, that makes me feel down. Well, why do I feel down? Because I'm a bad person. Well, that makes me feel guilty. Well, that makes me feel down. Well, that makes me feel guilty. Well, that Have you been there? Just three of us here in Newark, but in Hokeston and online, there are a lot of honest people who are going, yeah, I've been there, especially on- online. Under the cloak of anonymity, I will boldly declare. <laughs> I've been there. And so I'm resisting. And when I'm resisting, what do I ask? Why? Why is this happening to me? Why me? Anybody ask that? Even over the past week, why me? Why now? Seriously? Why? Why is this happening in my life? And I get stuck there when I'm resistant. But when I'm ready to start living again, I start asking a new question. What's next? Whether I figured out why or not. What, God, what do you have for me? What do I do now? What's my next step? And that becomes my question. And asking what's next is part of how we get unstuck mentally. Why is not a bad question. We're going to talk about some of the whys during this series. But to get stuck there and sink our wheels into the mud is not empowering. What's empowering is, God, what's the path forward? And I'm going to trust you with the why. And I'm going to move into what you have for me. So what's next is part of how we get unstuck mentally. But asking what's next might require us to do something outside of our comfort zone. For instance, in this particular situation, taking a drastic left turn, (laughs) Jesus spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. (laughs) I've been telling you you should read the Bible. This stuff is wild. I mean... As far as we know, he never did it before that. He never did it again. But in this moment, he's like, oh, I got it. (laughs) And Jesus told him, go wash yourselves. He spits in the dirt, makes mud pie, puts on the guy's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Now, we love that last sentence, right? That last, those last few words, he came back seeing, 
It's a miracle. And maybe you're here, maybe you're watching, maybe you're not sure you believe in miracles. Maybe you're going, okay, that's where I check out. Just don't believe in the supernatural. And, and I'm not here to twist your arm. I believe this happened just the way John says it. John said it happened. John lived a long time. He could have doubled back and said, hey, I was faking. He never did. He wrote other books of the Bible. No, none of the disciples ever came back and said, oh, whistleblower, didn't know. Everybody till the end of their lives said this happened. So I believe this happened. I believe in Jesus. I believe it happened. You may not believe that, but John says Jesus healed him, and I believe he went and watched. He came back seeing. Awesome. Amazing. We celebrate. We sang about it earlier. You do miracles. Whoa. But look at the way he heals him. He spits in the dirt, makes a mud pie, rubs it on this dude's eyes, and then tells him to go wash in the pool. And when he does, he can see. That's the good part. But do you wonder if in between the spit and the seeing, this person is, is kind of going, what is happening right now? And could it happen without all the dirt and spit? Is that a possibility? I can't see yet what you're doing but it feels weird, and people are, I hear the gasps. <laughs> and this is not the most sanitary miracle, Jesus, COVID. I mean, this is like a thing where six feet. Come on, like, let's. And do you wonder if at any moment the question that pops into this person's mind is Why? Why? I've heard about you, Jesus. You, your reputation has gone before you. In fact, I heard about other blind people you healed. You didn't do this. Why can't I be like them? With them, you were just like, be healed, and they were healed. I want that one. I want that miracle. I would, I'll take that one over the dirt and the spit and the mud in my eye. I've got mud on my face. I'm a big disgrace. Jesus, <laughs> so you think you could stop me and spit in my eye? Jesus... Come on, I work hard on this. Yeah, I've... <laughs> Thank you. Uh, can't you just fix this right here, right now? And the answer is, yes, he can. Jesus can speak one word, and this man's healed, and he goes on with his life, but he doesn't do that. Instead, he gives the man a what? And I just wonder if he knew that his entire life, this guy had felt like there was nothing he could do about his condition. There was nothing he could do about his own progress and his own path forward. And I wonder if Jesus knew, if I just speak the word and he's healed, he'll be physically healed, but he'll still be spiritually and mentally blind. He won't understand what it looks like to participate with God in the process. And so Jesus says, I'm going to give you, we're going to, so when you look back at this, you're going to see we kind of did it together. You couldn't have done it without me, but I wouldn't have done it without you. And I'm going to give you a what's next. I'm going to put you in a place where you're uncomfortable, where it doesn't make sense. It's something you're not used to. I'm going to jolt you out of however many years you've been alive that you've struggled with this and you've thought there was only one way you could live. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to participate in the process. Can I tell you, I believe in a God who can do anything he wants with just a word. 
but I also believe in a God who gives us a what's next many times. And he meets us in the middle of our obedience to the what, even though we don't understand the why completely. And he heals us in those moments. And that's been my experience with my own mental health and well-being, that to get to a place I'm not at yet, I'm probably gonna have to start doing some things I'm not doing yet. I've gotta be willing to take some next steps forward. And for me, that means trusting Jesus to take steps that don't seem to make sense, to step out of my comfort zone, to climb over my whys and get into what's next. Maybe you're in high school or college and you're struggling and you have so many whys. Why aren't things going the way I want? Why do I feel so empty? Why did I get the roommate I got? Why is my life so hard? Maybe you're in your 20s or 30s and you're struggling. You're realizing when we're in that season, many of us realize, wow, adulting is not all it's cracked up to be. And it's hard, and you're struggling with it, and you're asking why. Maybe you're in your 40s or 50s, and you're struggling because you thought you'd be further ahead by now, relationally, financially, with your mental health, and, and you're asking why. Maybe you're in your 60s or 70s or 80s, and you're dealing with health stuff and disappointments maybe in life or worries about your kids or your grandkids, and you're asking why, why is this happening? Can I tell you that we can ask why a hundred times a day and in the process miss the one what God has for us? The one next step that he's leading us to take right now. And the truth is when we're resistant, we ask why, we get stuck there. But when we're ready, ready to grow, we ask what's next? And to see clearly during this series, we need God's healing. And my prayer is, listen, my prayer is that over the next few weeks, this can be a place, every location, in person and online, this can be a place that becomes a pool we can wash in, that the presence of God could wash over us over the next few weeks and give us hope, that the presence of God's people could fill our lives with, with some new, fresh vision for our future and the path forward that God has for us. But for that to happen, we're all, myself included, gonna have to be willing to take some next steps to do something we're not comfortable with or even convinced yet will work to shift from why to what's next. And if we're willing to do that, this could be the result. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? That's Jesus' way of describing himself. And it's kind of a cool picture because son refers to who he is as God, and man refers to who he is as a human being. So son of man means that we have a God who feels what we feel. That's a powerful thing. And he asked this guy, do you, do you believe in the son of man? And the man answered, well, who is he? See, he's been healed physically, but he hasn't been transformed spiritually yet. And he says, who is he? I want to believe in him. That's, that's, I know that's my next step. I just need to know who he is. And Jesus, I love this, says, well, You've seen him, interesting choice of words. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. If you haven't yet, I pray that during this series, you come to know Jesus the way this person did. That God opens your eyes and, and you suddenly realize that Jesus is the one who wants to be leader and Lord of your life. He's the one who died to forgive your sins. He's the one who rose again to give you power over everything this life throws at you and 
and that you would see Jesus for who he is and put your faith in him and begin to follow him. That's my prayer for you. And then for all of us who know Jesus, my prayer for you is that you would be reminded that when in doubt are two what's that Jesus calls us to do at any given moment are to believe and worship. That when I just, when I'm stuck in why, the transition into what's next comes from faith and declaration of who my God is. I believe that the same Jesus, listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, I believe that the same Jesus who saved me, rescued my life, changed my life in the beginning, is with me right now, and he is God, and I believe in him, and I'm going to take steps forward by faith, worshiping him instead of worrying about my circumstances and emotions. That's the transition. And then God begins to give us a what. And why is not a bad question. But the more empowering question is what's next? Because when we're resistant, we keep asking why. Why me? Why now? Why did she dump me? Why did my boss do that? Why are my finances? Why do I feel? When we're ready, we ask what's next. And my prayer for you is during this series that God would help you take steps forward into what he has for you next. So a little over a year ago, I found myself sitting in that parking lot asking why. And confused, disoriented, like a fog, mental fog. So many of us have experienced it. Whether you reacted the way I did or not, you've, you've experienced it. And I couldn't see clearly, but unlike other times in my life, I knew what to do next. And this is so important. I also knew that doing what I needed to do next might not fix the feelings right away, might not just make everything okay. In fact, it probably wouldn't. But I still needed to engage the what's next that God had for me so I could get out of the cycle I was in. And so I prayed after I got done macho crying. I prayed, not, not like a, just a little prayer, like a real prayer, not a religious show, a real prayer. I prayed to God, and then I called a friend who knows me well, and I got honest, and I confessed. Here's what's going on. Here's what's happening right now. I'm not proud of it. I'm sitting in this parking lot doing this thing, crying, screaming, like just angry, upset, anxious, and that friend prayed with me, and then I got back to some what's that I had been neglecting. I took some time to rest. I dialed into some relationships that are life-giving for me. I let God remind me of my purpose on this planet, my what. Not just my why, but the things that he's called me to do that are hard but meaningful. And we're going to talk about all of that in weeks to come, and I'm gonna get, we're going to get very practical not as easy solutions. If you're looking for an easy solution, <laughs> this might not be the church for you. This is a journey. But we're gonna talk about how we move forward. And as we do, week one, I wanna start that process by giving you a picture of what what's next might look like for you. 
So first, what's next for you might be as simple as coming back next weekend. Now, for some of you, that's not a big next step. You're like, I'm here every weekend, man. But for others of you, maybe you're still trying to figure out what you believe about God, church, faith, that's okay. Maybe you've been on the fringes and it's as simple as it may sound, your next step, come back next week and I'll give you a massive incentive, all right? Next week, I'm gonna be on stage in all of our gatherings live answering your questions about mental health and faith without having seen them in advance. So if nothing else, come and watch me sweat. If it, like, if you're like, none of that was good, but I enjoyed seeing that guy squirm. That was awesome. And we're going there. And I'm gonna do my best next weekend to just answer those questions without having seen them in advance in a way that helps you. And it'll be raw, it'll be messy, it won't be perfect. They won't be, you know, I don't have the opportunity to plan it all in advance, so just come and see what God can do. And that's your what's next. For some of you, it's to invite someone to come with you. That's your what's next. And then second, maybe your what's next is getting connected. So our, our fall semester of J Groups, the catalog goes live uh, this weekend. There are all kinds of groups to choose from. We already have about 85 or so. We're gonna be adding more this week. And they meet on all different days of the week around all different activities and subjects and no excuses. Get connected. You know why? Because when we're alone, we get stuck in why. And we get in a cycle, why, 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 why? When we get around some people going the same direction spiritually, we start to fall into a healthy stride toward what's next. And we begin to ask different kinds of questions. Hope comes. And just so you know, you say, well, can I just get that from God? God says in his word, there are some things he only does through the other parts of his body, his church, this community we're a part of. And so I'm encouraging you, get connected in a group and get empowered to start asking what's next. And for some of you, maybe it's leading a group. It's not too late to do that. That's your what's next. And then third, if you're ready to learn more about what it means to be a part of a community of faith, not just attend church, but be involved in the life of a community of faith, then your what's next is to come to Plugged In, get plugged into the life of this church. And wherever you are spiritually, whether you're still trying to figure out your faith, where you're, whether you're ready to get plugged in, whether you're ready to serve and make a difference. We'll come alongside you. We'll help you grow spiritually. We'll help you get the right people around you, and we'll help you live out your purpose. And the reason all that matters so much is because here's what I know about you. I'm not being presumptuous. It's just what I know about you because you're human just like me, that when you're resistant, you ask why. But the moment you're ready, you start asking what's next. And I believe God has a what's next for you during this series. So if you would say, week one, I'm in. I, I wanna be ready instead of resistant. I wanna be open to the possibility that God has some next steps, simple steps for me to take to get healthier, to get whole, pool, a pool for me to wash in, a what for me to live out. Would you just shoot your hand up all over the room? Just hold it up high. If you're in Hokessin right now, hold it up high. Online, let us know. Give me a hand, raise emoji in the comments or something. Let me know. I wanna be included in this. And let's pray. Father, we love you. You are a good God. Even when the things happening to us and around us and in us are not good, you are a good God. And we turn our eyes toward you. In fact, we're not gonna waste 
the difficult things we're going through, we're going to step up on them to get closer to you. We can do that by faith. Jesus, you don't, you don't make everything easy when we start following you. There's struggle, there's strain, there are seasons of stress, but you make everything matter when we're following you. And our lives have meaning. Even our struggles have meaning. So God, I'm praying over all of us right now. I lifted our hand a moment ago, said, I'm in. I pray that you'd help us move from resistant to ready during this series, that over the next few weeks, you would change the posture of our minds and our hearts to be open to what you want to do, and that, God, you would meet us in the middle of our obedience, and you would heal us, give us wholeness and health. I speak that over us, the wholeness and health that you have come for us to have. In Jesus' name, and we receive it. We receive it. For some of you today, maybe you're, you're not ready to believe in Jesus yet. You're, you're still trying to figure all this out. And again, I'm not here to twist your arm. But there may be some of you in the room watching right now who you are ready to begin a relationship with God. And if that's you, here's what I, here's what I want you to know. The most important thing that happened to this person we read about today is not that he was healed physically. As crazy as it may sound, the most important thing that happened to him is that he was rescued spiritually. He found Jesus. His physical eyes were open. That was an amazing miracle, but so much more amazing was that his spiritual eyes were open and he saw Jesus for who he is and put his faith in him and worshiped him. And that can happen for you today by the power of God. When you believe in Jesus and you worship him with your mouth, you declare him leader and Lord of your life you can begin a relationship with God. So if that's you, I wanna lead us in prayer one more time. And right where you are, this is your opportunity. Whisper out a prayer of faith, something like this. Jesus, today I believe in you and I worship you. I believe you died for me to forgive my sins, to make me right with God. And I declare you leader and Lord of my life. I'm gonna follow you. Change me by your power. And if that's you, well, everyone around you stays focused on God. If you're in the room, Newark or Hocassin, will you just shoot your hand up? Just hold it up high. Say, that's me. I want to be included in that prayer. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Online, let us know. I'm putting my faith in Jesus today, trusting him with my life. And then everyone together, let's give Jesus all the praise. Come on, would you do that with me?